we really need to start getting comfortable with it and breaking down the stigma that money is this subject that we're getting so stressed and anxious about. Like we just need to bust through that and work through that ourselves so that we can get to the point where we're actually using our money as a tool. Welcome to the Trailblazer Podcast. I'm Jan. And I'm Erin. We're best friends, mother and daughter, rural entrepreneurs, and business partners of over two decades. Over 23 years ago, we jumped into the world of entrepreneurship in search of our big purpose. Three years ago, our hard work paid off when we launched an international print magazine, Trailblazer, and business membership. Through these, we have one mission, to empower rural women by helping them build successful businesses, all while cultivating the rural lifestyles they love. So through guest interviews and shows with just the two of us, we'll be chatting about topics like growth mindset, intuition, entrepreneurship, grit, resilience, and so much more. We're going to equip you with the know-how to navigate the sometimes murky waters of entrepreneurship. So whether you're rural, rural-hearted, or intrigued by the rural way of life, get ready to challenge yourself while learning from our experiences and other rural entrepreneurs as we explore the endless opportunities that lie ahead. Together, we can create something extraordinary. Welcome to the Trailblazer Podcast. Hello, listeners. We're talking finance today. Yeah. Before you turn your nose, (laughs) let us just say this is an important conversation to have. And quite frankly, your reaction to hearing the word personal or business finance, your reaction to that probably says a lot about where you're coming from. Absolutely. So (laughs) on the show today, we have Janelle Lansdell with Flowing Well Financial. She lives out in the middle of nowhere on a farm slash ranch in Saskatchewan in Canada. And so Janelle just really caught our attention when we had a chat with her a couple weeks ago on an introductory Zoom call. And we thought we have to bring her on board to share her insight, her knowledge, and her take on the current state of women and their finances. So Janelle takes a soft approach to a hard topic, and that hard topic is finance. Being an independent financial advisor means she truly gives unbiased advice. She doesn't work for one investment or insurance company. She works for her clients. She brings clarity to a world of chaos and comfort to those stressed about their finances. Even after eight years, Janelle's favorite thing is to see relief wash over her client's face, and then joy and excitement for the future return. So today we unraveled some big topics, and there's a lot to unpack here. We just want to give you a quick preview of why you should listen to this episode and why it's really important, especially as a woman. We want you to feel empowered in your finances, and that's why Janelle is so passionate about what she does. What all did we talk about in this episode? Well, like beliefs, societal yeah. norms. Yeah, we talked about the things that traditionally have been... And culturally and societally yeah. passed down. Just given ideas that women have adopted and accepted, which oftentimes leave them in a vulnerable situation. Because let's face it, when life is going well, when things are going good, we can feel secure. Maybe we're not the the big breadwinner in the family. Maybe you have a business that is contributing to the whole financial picture, but it's not all of it. And what Janelle has found is so often when she'll go into a, a country home to talk 
to a couple about finances. The woman is serving coffee and muffins and is not sitting at the table. And Janelle is really cognizant of that and wanting to ensure that all her clients, both uh, husband and wife, male and female, both are empowered with knowledge. Yeah, and to help women realize their value and contribution to their households, no matter what that looks like, and to say, come and take your seat at the table. So we hope you get a lot of this episode, listen to it, and then come back on uh, Instagram or Facebook and tell us your takeaways, because I know you're going to have a lot. Yes, there will be some ahas. Enjoy. Janelle, welcome to the Trailblazer podcast. I feel we've only had a couple conversations this far and I feel like we've known you forever. Yeah, you're like our long lost sister, daughter, friend, mother. <laughs> and we've already learned that we've got some connections and the world is such a small place. Yes. I feel like we should have met already. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe we have and we just don't know it. So either way, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to chat with you today about finances? Is this going to be a fun conversation? It is going to be a really comfortable and soft conversation about finances because that is my goal with my business. That's my main objective is I want to make finance a approachable topic no matter who you are and what your financial experience has been thus far in life. Yeah. Okay, so let's back up the bus. Tell us a little more about yourself, where you're from. What's your story? So I originally grew up in Alberta. I grew up southwest of Calgary, about 10 minutes from the start of Kananaska. So we were really blessed to live in a beautiful spot with just trees and mountains right tucked in the foothills there near the hamlet of Millerville. And then I met my husband who grew up in Saskatchewan, about an hour east of Swift Current. And he is a cattle and grain farmer. So his family has been out there for multiple generations in that same community, running a mixed farm and uh, putting lots of work into the agriculture industry. So because the farm is there, we are now there. So I moved out to Saskatchewan three years ago during COVID, where it was very hard to get out and meet anybody. We spent a lot of time at home on the farm together. And that was great, but now it's time to kind of branch out, meet more people because we're in a very rural spot. Essentially, we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. And even though I grew up in a rural area, Saskatchewan's population is less than the population of the city of Calgary. So people are really spread out. And that just gives you such perspective on how few people are in Saskatchewan and the big masses of land that are out there. So there's just not as many people around. We're much further from town. So it does feel like we're out in the middle of nowhere. Now, that is a cool fact. I, I did had not no know that Saskatchewan. I thought it was probably on par with Alberta. Okay. So you really are alone out there on the land. And instead of after COVID, starting to build your business. What is your business and when did you actually launch it? So I have been an independent financial advisor for eight years now. And the most important part of my title is the word independent because I don't work for an investment or insurance company. I don't work for a bank. I work for my clients directly. So I have an unbiased approach and I can just give exact advice for their situation that's not tailored or tied to a company. 
I don't have quotas to fill. There's no pressure like that. I have a managing general agency that makes sure my licensing education is all up. But aside from that, I can run my practice in complete direction with where my clients are going. So that is what I do. That is my full-time career. And like you say, being out very rural, I am really understanding how challenging it is to run a business from a rural environment where I'm not necessarily getting out of the house a ton to meet new people, to engage, and just have that sense of community, even though we're part of a community. But as farmers and being where we are, you're just not as close and you're not engaging with people very often. So I've really had to grow a lot in my business since moving to Saskatchewan, thinking, how am I going to approach this differently as a rural business owner? So most of us start businesses to provide a solution or solve a problem. Was that the case for you? And can you define that heart touchstone purpose, passion of why you started your business? It really stemmed from my own passion and desire to be more independent, I think, as a woman primarily. I actually started out after high school. I started working in a welding shop. So I learned how to weld and have all those skills. Then I went and got my full Red Seal ticket for heavy equipment mechanics, did that, And that wasn't releasing my independent streak. I'm not fully on the boat of feminism where it's, I can do everything. I'm good at everything. I really believe that men and women are equal and that each person individually has really important skills and something to bring to the table. But learning more about finance to me was very important to protect myself as a woman and go forward with more knowledge so that I had a bit of a defense against what the world was going to throw at me as I got older. Yeah. So that there's lots to unpack here, but I just want to acknowledge that's not a typical approach to finances that a lot of women take, right? Even just the word finances or money, especially when we're in business, it's loaded. It's loaded. (laughs) It's loaded. There's a lot of There's so many angles and layers to approaching that. So do you work with women and what capacity do you work with? And if yes, what are you noticing about how women approach finances? Right. So it feels like women are coming forward with a passion to solve that problem that you just depicted where something has happened between what society is quietly telling us, dripping on us every day, what our culture has been telling us for years and generations, what those two things have done to how information is delivered to women. Women are really told to penny pinch and watch the grocery bill, turn the lights off, keep the furnace down, wear a sweater, these little things. But Then the financial industry is talking to men about stocks and taxes and write-offs and checking your accounting and investing. Why aren't we talking about that to women at all? So you asked, Erin, if I have women clients, and that is probably a strong portion of my clientele is either 
individual single women who want to manage their own finances just like any other person would, not like society tells women to manage their finances by spending less. Oh, don't dye your hair. Don't spend on clothing. No, there's a lot more we need to know about finance. And those are the big dial mover pieces we need to know. So I have a lot of women coming forward for that reason. I also work with a lot of couples where usually they're in a good situation where there's respect in the relationship with the woman needing to know about finances. But I really try and drive home the fact in the entire process of working with a couple that I want to make sure that she is at the table, that she is able to listen, that she's not just serving coffee and bringing us muffins or taking care of the kids while I'm at their home, sitting at their kitchen table. She needs to have the same availability to take in the information as her husband does. So I'm really trying to build equality and treatment that's proper for women in what I do and how the process rolls. Okay. And so is there anything related to your own personal experience of moving from Alberta to the middle of nowhere in Saskatchewan that really cemented that for you or enlightened you as to, wow, this is really something because now I'm experiencing something in my own life? Are are there any stories, backstories that you could share with us on why it's so meaningful for you now to do that? Because that was a complete flip for your life, was it not? (laughs) Lots and lots of changes. So we just got married last summer in July. And I think the combo of moving out to Saskatchewan and getting married, what I've experienced in Saskatchewan and every area I'm sure is different because there's different people there. But it's almost like going back in time a little bit. It's more traditional. Women are doing all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the childcare all of that unpaid labor and the man is supporting the family financially by either working full-time on their farm or he might have a day job or a combo of both. But that type of typical scenario, and it works well for a lot of families, it does work well, but that type of scenario really creates a lot of vulnerability for the woman in that family because she is susceptible to the family staying together. So it's really enlightened me. Like, Jan, you like, the personal kind of what's happened personally to cement this in me is I'm just looking around, basically. I'm looking around. It's not necessarily happening to me because I haven't become comfortable with it yet. So I still have some work on myself to do too, how is this going to shake down if we want to have kids and start a family? Then I'm looking at letting go of my career. I've already felt like I've let go of a lot of other things just to be there for my husband and support his dream of farming. But what is it going to look like if I then let go of my ability to bring in an income to protect myself? To me, money is a form of protection. It's not everything, but it's a form of protection. I, I really like how you laid that out because as with Trailblazer Magazine, we've been interviewing women for three years now, and a lot of them are have started up businesses to create something for themselves. 
to channel their creative energies, to give themselves another income, which may in some cases be added into the farm income. But I think what statistically is out there too is women on the farm are more educated than they were generations ago too. And so they want to do something with it. Well, there may be harvest meals and childcare and all the things that women are doing. I think that women are going, and what about me? And I think that a lot of them, from what I can sense in our membership, money is not talked about very openly. It's still a very quiet, kind of behind-the-scenes subject. What is your experience with that? Yeah. And I wonder if it's some fear association with money that it's shoved under the rug. And that seems to happen whether you're um, a guy or a gal. But we really need to start getting comfortable with it and breaking down the stigma that money is this subject that we're getting so stressed and anxious about. Like we just need to bust through that and work through that ourselves so that we can get to the point where we're actually using our money as a tool. Because really it's a tool. It's a tool for that rural woman who is creating her own business. So she has something for herself and she wants to put her education or her skills or her creativity or her artistic ability to good use and to actually get something from it. And I'm not talking about just income, obviously. We do these businesses and it's something that feeds us and makes us feel good and connects us with communities and our customers and other business owners. So how do we support that? And I think primarily it's we need to go and get comfortable with talking about money so we can get to all the good stuff that's behind the curtain. We need to open the curtain so we can get to the good stuff where and then we can start talking about like, look, you have these tax credits available to you as a small business. You have these deductions that you can take or there's funding over here. There's grants over here. And then, okay, when you're making this amount of profit, you should consider investing it here. And this is what sole proprietorship looks like. And then when you're making this amount of money, we should look at setting up a corporation for you so you're able to pay less tax and pull out your income from your business as dividends and you're taxed less. Canada wants to support businesses. They really do. It's evident in all the programs they've set up for us. There's lots out there. It's just that Canada, the government, is a fairly large organization, so they've got a lot going on. You just need to dig through the papers. So connecting with someone who can help you dig through all that and point that out, I think, is a huge support. But there's lots out there to support women, rural women, and rural women business owners. There's tons out there. What do you think are some of the limiting beliefs that women are carrying that stop them from pushing for these other avenues? Could you name a few? I think, you know, they aren't worthy or they aren't worth knowing about that or, or getting that education. It's not worth a professional's time to talk to them because they don't know enough. That's Often what I feel coming across from client meetings is people are quite like shy and they're really holding themselves back and very humble. And they're just like, 
oh, no, I don't want to waste your time explaining that. Or no, I don't know anything about that. It's okay. You can just move on or we don't need to dive into that. It's no, you are worth my time in talking to you and educating you till the end of the day until you don't have any more questions, until it's completely solidified in your mind. So when we talk about limiting beliefs for women when it comes to finances, I would encourage anyone to think, A, it's not your fault. It's not for multiple reasons. Society and culture is literally telling women to clip coupons, not learn about investing. There's a huge difference on the financial side about what clipping coupons will do and what investing will do. There's a lot of dollars difference there and that can impact your life hugely. So we're told that from society. Then we're maybe told that even from our parents or from people we know or from people who love us that, you know, like, oh, just, you know, find a good man who works hard and can take care of you or take care of you and the family. So there's all these things coming at us that are really holding us back that we just need to change. I would say not, I don't want to say slowly, but we need to really keep at it and keep trying to encourage women to go learn because they're worth it. So powerful. Yeah. I liken that to the conversations that we've had too, mom, recently about looking back when you and dad were going through divorce, right? You were left in a vulnerable position and that's what preempted you to look at you keep you've said this before what am I going to do with my life because can you relate that back because oh absolutely we've had this exact conversation about finances especially when you bad things happen that you don't plan for and guaranteed they will yeah yeah uh Heron's dad was in oil and gas but oil and gas agriculture they're both non-traditionally women's roles right like they're a man's world out there and uh yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of women who um, are in that vulnerable position where maybe revenue, the income coming into the family is good. But boy, if that boat capsizes, then there's a real scramble on to figure out what to do. Hey guys, Jan and Aaron here. We want to take a second to tell you about Trailblazer. You know, the magazine that inspires the very guests we have on the show. So Trailblazer is a quarterly keepsake magazine that celebrates and connects you to the lifestyles and entrepreneurial dreams of resilient, gutsy, rural women across North America. From ranchers, makers, homesteaders, women in egg and beyond, it really is the perfect companion for those seeking a tangible connection to the rural way of life through the eyes and hearts of rural women. So we believe rural is a mindset. It's a way of living and how we connect to the land, the animals, and the people around us. And our Keepsake magazine is perfect for those wanting to connect to the way of rural through compelling storytelling, immersive design, and the heartfelt writing of rural women who live on the prairies, in the mountains, by the sea, and beyond. Each issue showcases the beauty and the challenges of navigating rural life with a growing business, feature stories, nourishing recipes, valuable life skills, mindset and development tips, plus unique and refreshing perspectives to bring the heart of rural into your home and life. You guys, it's really one of the most beautiful magazines you'll ever get your hands on. And we would love for you to find out more at www.trailblazerco.com and explore the stories that await you beyond the city limits. 
I also see when I think of women that we connect with or in community with or through various different forms, whether it be the magazine or the membership, that I think sometimes women don't dream big enough for themselves. They don't have big goals. We've asked before just in informal conversations about what is your revenue goal? And I've heard very few women articulate it. Like, and, and I've, listened, I've listened to a lot of podcasts on from guys on different things, and man speak is so different. If they want to make a million a month they or just a million claims. a year, they just say it. But <laughs> yeah. I have yet to hear women just claim that, say it and claim it. And I think that's another way that it shows up is that they're not asking for a lot for themselves, just business running and be successful, whatever that looks like to them. But so often they don't attach some big income goals well, to it. We're not encouraged to feel good about outwardly expressing what we want out of money. Exactly. No, it's a real issue where women are almost too humble for their own good and they're too grateful. If you just think of that statement, like sometimes you can be too grateful where they are sticking themselves in an income bracket that is too low for what they're worth, their skill, their time, their effort. Women are hard workers. They are amazing. I know some truly incredible women, countless women who really know how to kick ass out there in the world and are very good at what they do. But are those women asking for a raise? Are they setting their price point high enough? Are they expecting and knowing they're going to get this amount from their business? It's just, it's valuing ourselves and putting a number on it as to what we're worth. But it's a complete different dynamic, like you say, when it comes to men in that like when they, even from when they're little boys, they are intrinsically trained and raised to be strong, powerful, go out, get what you want, protect, fight for what you need. And women are trained and raised to be soft, caring. Oh, no, that's enough. It's okay. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. We just don't have the same upbringing. But it's when we look at what's happening today, where women, you can't, like, I know this is going to be quite polarizing to say, but you just can't think that someone else is going to take care of you for the rest of your life. And if you did, you're putting yourself at a really vulnerable position. So what are we needing to do to protect ourselves against that? Because, and I don't want to discourage anyone because there's a lot of beautiful relationships out there, beautiful family scenarios where both people are feeling good, treated equally, everyone's happy, mom does this and it works, dad does this and it works, and things are leveling out. They're not going to be perfectly even all the time, but they're just leveling out over the course of time. But then there's also a lot of women out there that are picking up the pieces of a life that didn't go according to plan. And we always hope for the best, but we need to start planning for the worst. So when we look at our financial planning, that's a part of protecting ourselves 
absolutely not hoping that there's going to be a divorce down the line or that someone's going to get injured and not be able to come back from it or someone's going to get sick. But we plan for that. So when and if it happens, the family is safe. She is safe because she knows and she put the time in up front to make sure everything is set up properly in case that happens. Very powerful. As women, a, a lot of what we do in our life, we approach it with heart. And that's why women in business want to feel fulfilled. We want it to mean something. However, I think we can sometimes get caught up on that, not knowing that we can also be okay with wanting to make a lot of money and be very successful, that we can be both. We don't need to choose, that we can show up in our lives and our businesses and be making impact and have it feeding who we are. And it's okay to verbally express, and I, I want to be successful. I want to make a lot of money while doing it because I deserve that. I think that's something that we don't often... I don't hear that very Here. often out of women's mouths. I really don't. I think the other stigma in society, too, is that a woman who is really out there with that, there's all kinds of judgment and connotation against her. Like, you know, who does she think she is? Or, man, she's ballsy or whatever the going no you know, doubt. thing is. Can we just normalize women <laughs> wanting to, to be rich? Just opening up to abundance and normalizing that is okay for you. You can want that you can want abundance and you can do it in such a way that you're still staying true to your character and your values and running your business with heart but you're also making money while not being that bossy corporate kind of you know what we've seen in the movies where she's just a real b-i-t-c-h bossy lady and everyone hates her and she's cold like you can achieve abundance but still run our business with our hearts. And I like that you mentioned that too, because that's the polarization. That's the extreme. She's either this or she's that. And like, why, why can't she be whole, in balance within herself, confident, cares for the family, but cares about growing a bank account at the same time so that she can? Because I think, I'm going to use the word legacy so often, We've thought of legacy in terms of things that men leave behind, the legacy they're leaving. And for women, we think the legacy she left is she was a good mother to her children or she was a good wife. But there's other kinds of legacies that women want to leave these days. And some of them are having a successful business that they could leave to their kids or their grandkids or whatever. And I think more women are thinking in terms of legacy, but don't know how to get there. And I, I just wonder what your thoughts are on that. There's a lot that can be done with succession planning. And honestly, for a woman, for your business, succession planning is important for multiple reasons. One being, yes, you have a legacy because you put in so much hard work and effort. We're not going to close this company down. Like you can sell it. You can pass it on to your kids. It's worth a lot. And then the other reason is it helps your tax come estate time to do something, to do proper succession planning. So we do a lot of that with farmers. We do transfer succession planning because I think it more common or thought of that the farm is established and it's going to be transferred down to the next generation to the kids. 
But we really should be looking also at these businesses. And it's all different types of farms, all different types of rural businesses. It doesn't even have to be rural. It could be your boutique, your online business that can be transferred down to one of your children as well. So it can help in a tax perspective and preserving that woman's work for her entire life. Because I think the younger generation now, both the sons and the daughters are looking at mom as a role model. And I think a lot of women are starting to realize, because I'm just thinking of some gals in our membership who we have more insight into their businesses. Their kids are helping them out at markets and helping pack orders and doing all these things. And I think that's a really powerful thing thing and a way for kids to see what's possible for them. And so if mom then also has the confidence to financially take care of herself, to invest for the future, to set her business up in a way that if they wanted to be a part of it, that it could. And that's new territory. We really haven't had that in any other generation before. And I think that it's a really we're just living in such an opportunistic time for women to be empowered around their finances. Education, you've mentioned that learning. So what are all the ways that a woman could learn some good financial practices, get a good foundation within her or tips and tricks? Yeah. <laughs> what would you say? Exactly. So one of the first things I like to say with like, you know, when you're starting out, where do you go? Googling can bring up a lot with the financial industry. There's some, it's a huge industry and it encapsulates a lot of really good things and a lot of really bad things too. So to start with, make sure you know what direction you want to go, what your goals are and who you want to work with or who you want to help you. If you want to do your own study for a bit, that's up to you. But I would just preface with, Really be careful as you step out and start learning about it. Find a professional you really trust and really know their experience, their licensing, and their credentials. The world in general has really blown up with the internet and social media. I sound like a very old person, but it's just to say that there's a lot of people out there calling themselves a money coach or a wealth advisor or something, really start by checking that person out fully and checking out their credentials. Are they licensed in your province or your state? What kind of education do they have? What's their experience? Do they have testimonials? So start there. Start with looking for proper professional help. And then another point to know is sometimes you don't have to pay for that professional help necessarily. So in my space as a financial advisor, there's fee-based advisors and there's non-fee-based advisors. Myself, I am a non-fee-based advisor, so I can do a lot of consults, a lot of chats where you don't actually have to pay me an hourly fee, nothing like that. And I can give really good foundational advice to you. So choose what you're doing really carefully. And then I would say don't shy away from Canada's government programs, from registered programs. Essentially, that's anything with an acronym, anything with a crazy acronym like the TFSA, RRSP, RESP, RDSP. Those are all really great programs. 
And you just need to start learning the rules on how to use them properly and what happens with taxes, on input of money, on withdrawal of money. And if you want to learn that quicker, I I do a lot of education and little bite-sized bits on social media to try and help go through all that because it can be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, learning about registered programs in Canada is great. My favorite is the tax-free savings account. And that's where you have tax-free growth for your money. And when you pull the money out of the account to go use it in, say, five to seven years, you're not paying tax on it. It's one of my favorites to recommend that I think every person in Canada should be using for sure. And there's so many other things. I could go on and on. I don't know how much you want me to dive in and throw us into a mud puddle of finance details. I think you answered it first in that one could start just investigating for themselves and noting uh, where that person is coming from that is giving you the information and what their credentials and qualifications are. And the second thing I heard is that there's so much available. I think it's just a matter of starting. And then if somebody's wanting to speed up the process, talking to a professional like yourself, who can hone in probably more custom to their situation, because the financial field, like you said, is so vast. We could just be inundated with a Google search on different topics. And half the time, we don't even know what keywords to throw into a Google search to get something that's relevant mm-hmm. to us. So I just think that's really good. So if you had to come up with one or two sentences or just a, a message to the women and the men who are out there listening to this a podcast episode, how would you sum that up? I would say start wanting to learn about personal finance and company finance if you have a business start with an open mind like really just work on opening yourself to the subject we talked a bit about the trauma of money mindset the feelings that it evokes within us when we think of the word money for a lot of families out there it's stress because they don't have enough of it they have more month than they do money so really just trying to do everything you can within yourself to maybe Maybe that's looking more like wiping your slate clean and starting fresh and letting go some prior attachments you had with those topics, really starting fresh and opening your mind and then start looking around in your area locally or at least in your country because you need to have someone in your country Look around for a really good professional to help you who isn't going to charge you an arm and a leg to walk you through things. The reason I say look for help is it's so much faster. And the faster we can get someone in a really nice, tidy, organized, healthy place with their finances, the faster that money can start working for them and start paying them back with the compound interest that's growing inside those investments. That's awesome. Yeah. Any good books you could recommend somebody starting out to just get the mind a little more fertile? <laughs> yes. There is a great book. It's called The Psychology of Money. And I 
think the author is Matthew Frey. I should know that off the top of my head. But if you Google psychology of money or search it up on Amazon, you will find it. It's a fairly recent book. And it talks about how money is 85% just our behavior and our psychology. And this will help you feel less overwhelmed, I hope. It's very little on how much we know and our knowledge base. It's all on our behavior, our psychology, our mindset. So definitely read Psychology of Money. A bad book that I really don't love is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a book that a lot of people like, but he comes at it from a very different perspective that I don't quite think is healthy. There's another book, Die with Zero, which means using all your savings by the time you pass and not leaving much of a cushion left. And I'm a mid-level point on that book. I don't love it and I don't hate it. I don't think we should use everything. I think we need to have a cushion. We don't know how much retirement homes and healthcare are going to cost at the end of the day. Those, yeah, that's a really good book, Psychology of Money an interesting thought provoker, Die With Zero, and then a book that I'm not particularly fond of, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay. Thank you. That was a good question. And you you knew your answers. That's awesome. But that's encouraging too at the same time. That's empowering to think of how we approach money and our beliefs and mindsets around it can be tweaked and, and changed and evolved really quickly. So, yeah, and if there's any, for that. yeah, and if there's anything I've learned through my life skills coaching is if you do different behaviors, even if you start small with small incremental changes, we can change our mindset to go with it. And a lot of times people think I've got to change my mindset before I can begin anything new. But action actually is the precursor to change and experience and all the rest of that. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's really cool. So, Janelle, um, how... You know, people are listening to this. How Where can they find you? Uh, on Instagram? You? What's your website? What's the best way to connect with you if what you've said today is is calling to them like, yeah, I, I want to feel empowered in my finances. So like I mentioned, I am on Instagram and I try and deliver some bite-sized education there and, you know, be a memory jogger or maybe you're just discovering some of these programs or ways to handle your money for the first time. So definitely head to Instagram and check out some of my posts and reels on that and get your feet wet. And it's pretty easy to contact me from there. I definitely answer the direct messages there. No problem. You can find my phone number there as well. My website is called flowingwellfinancial.com. And you can read up more about my story and what I do and what I stand for and you know, just kind of everything about me and what I believe and what I'm really trying to deliver to my clients. So my website's a good spot. Instagram is a great spot to learn more. And you'll find all my contact details on both of those. And I'm very open if you want to text and that's your comfort level with asking financial questions. I'm totally fine with that. You can text me anytime if you want to set up a Zoom call or a chat. We can do that and really go through what your scenario looks like and and give you some more personalized advice because it's really good to expand your knowledge base. But sometimes that does become overwhelming for us because now we're looking at all these options and then you're still stuck with that question, which one is right for me? What do I do for my situation? But give yourself some credit too as you're going through. 
I thought of this when you were just speaking, Janin, that like start to trust yourself and give yourself credit that you're doing good. You're doing okay. Like you're working through this. You're moving forward. As long as you're moving forward in a positive direction, getting your feet wet, mucking around in the space a little bit, you're doing good. And really try and just ease that stress for yourself. Because Lord knows, women, we load those shoulders up with so many things that, Mm -hmm. yeah, mental load (laughs) can sometimes be heavy. Mm -hmm. So this has been really informative and to really think about. And sometimes these hard truths are uncomfortable to talk about. And I think I want to say, too, we're not dissing men, but society has raised us with a certain set of beliefs and norms and all the rest of it. And sometimes we don't even realize that there are other ways that we can feel good and better and stronger about ourselves and our lives. Well, we don't even ask the questions. So it's about the conversations we're not having. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Even just feeling within ourselves, that's not for us. And you know what? There's a ton of men out there who they want the same thing for you. They want you to feel good and strong and capable and knowledgeable. They want you to be at the table. So absolutely, like our whole conversation, we're not giving a thumbs down to men or the men in our lives. It's just what has slowly evolved as society. And we've come a long way as women from where we were at. But it was different times back then, too. And the world is very different. We still have a ways to go. But it's just really comforting women and trying to build their confidence in this topic to really make them feel good and make them feel like they have a voice and then they can sleep at night feeling good that they know what the acronyms are that are being thrown around. Yeah. I just want to say thank you, Janelle, for coming on. I, this was an awesome conversation. And I think there's a lot of different areas in here that we could unpack and our listeners will get a lot out of it. And we'll also put your website and Instagram handle in the show notes as well for those who are feeling called to connect with you. So thank you for coming on. This was great. Yes. Thank you so much. You did it. You just finished another episode of the Trailblazer podcast. We love bringing you real life stories and know-how from rural women. Head over to our website, www.trailblazerco.com for today's show notes with all the links and special offers from today's sponsors. Want to help us grow? Tag us and screenshot this episode or share your takeaways in the comments over on Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to see you over there. So this is Jan and Erin signing off. See See you you next time, Trailblazers. Trailblazers.